Hello and welcome to the Geeky Brummy Show. Joining me today, Mr. Guy Howard. Mr. Keith Bloomfield. Hello, Ryan. And Mr. Lee Price. Hi, Ryan. How are we all this fine day? Keith, what have you been up to this week? This week? I'm having to think what I've done this week. Uh, this week, this week. I've been reviewing, well, not reviewing, but discussing graphic novels at Graphic Novel Club, which is good. I also have been watching and catching up on Star Trek Discovery, which also is very good. I'm being left behind on The Amazing Mrs. Uh, Maisel, because Matt likes that show and doesn't wait for me to get home to watch it. So, <laughs> do you know, I've watched a couple more episodes this week. It's like, but I like that show. Uh, and I've been playing quite a few games because I downloaded quite a few recently. Anything in particular? Mind well, games. No. With me. Obviously Destiny, because Destiny's gone into its next season recently. So it's the season of the Drifter. Uh, which is quite good. So I'm kind of wondering <laughs> about whether... Like, sounds like a 70 stoner film. <laughs> uh, but it's all backstory and lore. So I'm wondering whether I should go for the annual pass on that to get some more content. So Keith, you're saying that you haven't jumped onto Anthem. No, I, <laughs> I did play the demo, but... Because I'm older than most gamers, there was far too much going on for me to keep track of. So I'm I know, bit... from what I've heard, the most that's going on with that game is uh, Systems Crash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Why is it called Anthem? From what I've heard, there's supposedly like the Anthem of Creation within the lore, and that's literally all I know about. What a load of crap. I know. <laughs> so, as one of the world's biggest Bioware fans, I've talked multiple times about how much I love the Mass Effect series and mm-hmm. I say, oh, and everything Bioware has ever done. Zero interest in this game. I have zero interest in turning a single player game into a cooperative game mm-hmm. where I have to find friends at the same time as me when we all work full time. Because <laughs> you weren't I'm good not... at finding friends at school. <laughs> no, it's just fine. <laughs> it's finding a group of people who are available at a specific time to play a specific game. I mean, that's our audience, right? Contact our listeners. It's always a struggle to find people who have time enough to dedicate to a two, three hour gaming session at any point. Mm. I'd prefer Bioware to go back to making good single player games, which is what they're known for, not looter shooters. You could contact people who frequent the pub forum and see if they're available from doing what they normally do to play games with you. I don't know what website you mean, Guy. Don't Google it. Um, but also because this month's games of gold have been quite good. So one of them was uh, an Adventure Time game, Pirates of the uh, Enchiridion, which is kind of just like playing an episode of Adventure Time. It's not the greatest game, but it's quite fun to play because it's got all the cast doing their voices. It's quite simplistic or whatever. But the big one for me was I didn't have an Xbox at the time, but I'd always wanted to play Star Wars Republic Commando. And because Xbox do backwards compatibility, it was announced... A good while back now, and I was kind of toying with the idea of buying it, but it went free this month, so I'm trying to play through the Star Wars Republic Commando game, which is really good. Is it just like the simulations? Just like the simulations. Just like the simulations. <laughs> now, it's a, I, I like it. It's a, it's kind of a squad-based shooter where you're in control of your, your other uh, players. I mean, obviously it looks a little bit ropier now because it's a good... Through 15? Yeah, 15, it's a while, but it still still holds up pretty good. It came much out, like the original Star Wars Battlefront game still holds yeah, up pretty it good. It came out after Attack of the Clones, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Well, well I'm quite enjoying that. That's, yeah. quite, that's quite fun. Cool. Guy, what have you been up to this week? What have I been doing, Ryan? I've, uh, I've had a tooth out. I have had a tooth removed, and I feel like a grotesque old human being... 
like I went for a dentist checkup. I haven't been for a while. And I thought, do you know what? I'll, uh, it's payday. Call the dentist up. Got any appointments? Yeah, we could fit you in tonight, Mr. Halford. Brilliant. Turned them out. Weren't turned up. And ah, uh, oh, you got a bit of a tooth which is uh, decaying at the back. Right. Gross. Uh, and then they're like, oh, well, we could do something about it tonight. I, he must have explained what he was going to do, but it must not have rushed into my head what was going to happen here. So I'm, because I was thinking about the cost, because like 20 quid for a check, and I was like, well, how much does it cost to have it, have it sorted out? And it was like 60, and I was like, pushing the bank here. But then I started thinking, hang on a minute, if I pay 20 now, and then 60 later, it's going to be 80, so I'm going to be worse off. So I was like, let's do it, let's get it, let's get it sorted. Anyway, I have a little X around my head and stuff like that, and he does some stuff on my teeth. And uh, anyway, Five minutes later, the guy yanks my tooth out. I did not see that coming. Mm-hmm. I'm walking home with like, a bloody tissue in my mouth, my tooth in my hand, like, what has just gone on here? And, uh, yeah, I, I, I now have, no longer have a back tooth. It's horrible. I've been having to eat on the side. So when you asked me why was I eating a Barney soft sponge <laughs> cake off air, it's because I can only chew on one side of my mouth still, Did- and a Barney soft sponge is nice. Didn't have the marshmallows there, did you? No. no, I didn't. Well, I can't, well, Brian, I can't be eating sweets because I could have another decayed tooth and I could lose it. I mean, look at it's at the back. Although I feel really bad that when he said he had an x-ray of his head, in my mind, I saw the x-ray of Homer Simpson's head. <laughs> <laughs> so. Smallest brain. I will say that I like that this story began with you saying saying that it was payday, so I'm going to go to the dentist. <laughs> as if it was a treat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh. I could go to the dentist. Honestly, like, the worst pain I have ever come across of having someone rip a tooth out of my mouth. It was... Oh. Did they not kind of, like, inject your gums beforehand or anything? Yeah, like the standard he, kind of things that they do? Yeah, that was done. But even, even so, I did... Like I said, he probably explained he was going to rip my tooth out. I didn't really pay attention to that. So I was, I was very much taken by surprise when my tooth was handed to me. But surely you should know this because, like, dentists... There's a history of dentists because, like, from what I know from watching various TV shows, their kind of whole industry started from them all being kind of drug addicts and experimenting with cocaine and opiates and all the rest of it because that's how they stopped people from feeling pain. Didn't they go from the barber surgeons? Yeah, they just used to, you know, yes. so a haircut and a haircut and your teeth ripped out. Yeah. Um, but if there are any dentists, like, watching, I, I'm taking my history from watching BBC shows like Doctors. So, like, you know, your fine profession may not be based on the fact that in the 17th and 18th centuries you're all drug-addled opiates. <laughs> My one fact which I do know about dentists is the day job is that they've got the highest suicide rate of any profession, apparently. Well, I mean, it's quite dark news, but... Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, like, this was the most painful thing I've ever endured. And, like, the, it still hurts now. This has been a couple of weeks since I've had it out. But I just felt old and grotesque. Like, my hair's going grey and I've had a tooth removed due to decay. What's going on with me, man? Like, what is going on? Like, uh, I just I feel old and disgusting. Cool. Do you have fillings? No. Okay. What kind of toothbrush do you have? I just have bog standard. I, my, I'm crap at cleaning my teeth. Like, I'm not, I'm not very... No electric good. toothbrush? No, I need to get like one. one with the round head? I need to get one. I mean, he did put this picture on the group chat recently. And we did all leap to the conclusion that the, that he had his teeth fall out because of drinking too much San Pella. Yes. I mean that I haven't told you stop drinking soft drinks. drinks. Yeah, so it's uh, San Pella ban in your household. I'm not allowed to drink soft fizzy drinks anymore. 
So it's just. Did your beautiful girlfriend throw all the fizzy drinks away, or did she drink them all in front of you? No, so they're in the kitchen still, just gathering dust. Now <laughs> I was just waiting for people to come around for a party or something like that, and then. Uh, but yeah, if you if you feel bad for me and want to give me some sympathy, you can message me on Twitter at Gibbum and say I'm really sorry that you had your tooth pulled out, guy. You I can, feel your pain. You can not donate to Guy's Dental Treatment at <laughs> <laughs> Pictures of yourself eating sweets and drinking soda would also be appreciated. Eating Barney's and mashed potato. <laughs> uh, I had to have like a mashed potato dinner. It was gross. Like I was so relieved like after the first week that I could go back to eating solids again. Like, just eating... I lost weight though. From <laughs> have you ever heard of the invention called soup? Yeah, so we can't like I could literally have soup, mashed potato, and yogurt. However, I'm in the middle of a, a bet at the moment with my friend Phil that whoever can lose the most weight over three months wins twenty quid. I did lose a significant amount of weight for having this tooth pulled, but to be honest, if you're going to pay sixty for the treatment, it doesn't really balance it out, does it? So I'm a bit stuffed now. I'm just looking at him at the moment, the way he's sat, and thinking he'd look quite good with a little crochet blanket over his knees. <laughs> um, I genuinely, I feel like an old person. mashed potatoes. Teeth on the side in a glass. <laughs> Wait, it's going, I'm going to need that. Lee, what have you been up to the last few weeks? Um, I have uh, been playing that bear dad of boy game. Oh, you God of War 2018 from last year. I was going to say, why is Dad of Boy? Boy. Because frequent, boy. like, that is basically his entire line in that game is just boy over and over. Like, there's my like bird box, boy, girl. It's one, of the, it's one of the funniest games I've ever played because Kratos is just the funniest straight man. Like, um, in comedy terms, obviously. That's what I clarify that. Um, because like he's just constantly moody and angry at everything, but it just ends up being hilarious. There's a there's a um, sequence in the game where you encounter this witch who lives in the woods, and she she's having a conversation with the boy, and just the entire time Kratos is just going boy. Any time that the child says something that he doesn't want the witch to hear, and he's just like boy, boy. It's the entire line he has. And then, like, the witch sends him to go on an errand, and he's just like, he's kind of, he kind of walks off in a huff, and I'm just like, this is supposed to be like a really old, supposedly mature man, yeah. <laughs> and he's a god. This is one's a more Norse, Eastern European yes, mythology it's compared sort of, to the Greek yeah, Roman. It's set in, like, a Norse setting. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion at the point I'm at where talking about the nine, the nine worlds, and. Yeah. Um, the Bob Frost and all this kind of stuff and encountered the World Serpent so it's all that stuff going on and I've, I'm really enjoying it so far it's such a mm. um, like the presentation's really good um, combat's really satisfying um, I'm glad they did that and just do the usual remaster of the remaster mm-hmm. which is a trick that game studios do again and again, I mean, and again I mean they already did that while they released God of War 3 again on the PS4 prior to that but yeah. This one is definitely a different game to those ones. Like, I found the old ones kind of fun, but I found Kratos to be the most obnoxious character in the world. And yeah. the way that he was kind of portrayed was just kind of as if we were supposed to root for him. But he was just like throwing a tantrum and murdering all the gods as a result. Yeah. And because they wouldn't let him do what he wanted. And he's just like, really? This is, this is the character? Okay. But this time they kind of, they almost seem to be poking fun at him in yeah. general. So it's been, it's been fun so far. Not that far into it, I think, but 
stroppy parenting the game. Yes, yeah. You just get there's been a hot the bit that I've got to though they him and his son have had this massive argument. So they just shouting dad and son at each other like Dad son, Dad son <laughs> No the, the the boy actually does say proper things and he's like actually interested in the world and everything going on. Grace is just like I do not care. I don't care. <laughs> you make him sound like the news reporter from Futurama. <laughs> he pretty much is. <laughs> he really is. Talking of news reporters, could I just bring up the most inappropriate thing I witnessed on TV over the past week? Um, we were watching the local Midlands Today news. Oh. Yes. Um, Did you pick this up as well? You, you saw this as well. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they, they, the Express and Stars photo archive. Oh yes, it's the same. It's like two hundred years <laughs> worth of photos from news. So they they showed a load of pictures from the photo archive, and they had found a picture of a uh, local newsread, local weather girl Shafali oh, Oza. Nick Owen, who seems to not realise that Alan Partridge is a character, <laughs> sat, sat Shafali on the sofa next to him. Uh, it's like, I've got Shafali here with me now, and we wanted to show you this uh, picture of uh, we found of you in the archives. It's one of her original press shots, wasn't yeah. it, from when she was first becoming known in the local area. Shafali shocked and surprised at the sight of the picture and reminded of the good times. Like, oh, that's a great picture. My mum and dad had that on the wall. Nick Owen, I've got it on my wall too. <laughs> Whoa. Bedroom wall. Bedroom wall. <laughs> I have, I, yeah, I have that picture in my bedroom as well. Yeah, that was the shocking revelation like, that came out of that. Step back, Nick. You've crossed the line so far. I think he, I think he thinks it's still TV AM days and he can get away with stuff. But that well. whole episode was riddled with Nick Owen very on the verge of like being... Forcibly removed from the screen for his inappropriateness. <laughs> Hashtag me too with Nico. Shocking, he had some other guests on, and it was a. You thought, how can this get any more creepy? But you um, mentioning how it was kind of an Alan Partridge moment. Did you submit it to Accidental Partridge on Twitter? Oh, I should have. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I did. I did send it to Midlands Today and Nico and tweeted and, and complained, and nobody said anything. Which talk, I was going And then they posted it on their Facebook feed with that same bit. And it's kind of like, <laughs> and nobody commented. It's like, how? How has nobody realised? I, mean, I saw that, and I just I called people from other rooms to go. You will not believe how super creepy Nico is. I called been. Laura downstairs. <laughs> Oh, it was shocking. Talk, talking of Partridge, has anybody watched the new show that he's done? Because I've heard good things about it, I've not watched any of it yet. I haven't managed to catch it. It's alright. Is it going out on um, Monday? Yeah. It's not vintage Partridge. It's it's kind of got the vibe of knowing me, knowing you about it. I would have preferred another I'm Alan Partridge type of yeah. But there are some very funny moments. But I feel that like Coogan's lost a voice. I feel mm. like he's lost the Alan voice, but he hasn't lost the Alan mannerisms. There's a very amusing bit with an inappropriate bit about a woman washing her hands, which is very funny. Um, but it's good. Worth checking out then. Yeah, and, or, or just watch Midlands Today and watch Nick Owen basically <laughs> just do it live and in person for real. Jesus. Ryan, what have you been doing this week? Looking at your picture of Shafali Hoser on the bedroom wall. <laughs> it's just completely gone out of my head. I've actually had me doing something this week and I've just completely forgotten what it was. That has made for <laughs> highly entertaining <laughs> radio. Yeah, the Glad- was just ruined my head. <laughs> it's good that you tuned in today, listeners, because Ryan's got plenty to tell you. <laughs> he's actually sat there looking at Viv for trying to think of like think of what he's done. He's looking around the room looking for answers, but there's nothing. Yeah, it's just completely got out of my head. See the cogs working in his mind. What, what have I done? 
Anything, Ryan? Anything to share? <laughs> <laughs> it's just completely gone out of my head. I, I, seriously. Oh, hang on, Viz written straight down. He's got already been No, I was going to talk about that. It was something else. Well, do you want to talk about that? Because you quite clearly can't well, remember it, what it else was, it was you're going to talk about. It was about. my dad's 60th birthday and I went to Mr Mulligan's, the new golfing emporium at Broadway Plaza and then we went bowling afterwards. I must but admit, Mr Mulligan's have, is quite nice. I did have to sit down briefly when you put up Happy birthday, Dad. 60. And I was like, okay. <laughs> right, get this into my head. Ryan's dad is only a, few, a certain amount of years older than me. And I was like, oh my God. Well, I said this to my two senior managers at work and they both nearly fell out of their chairs when I said my dad's only 60. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> but I'm, I'm in my mid-50s now. What? It's like, what? <laughs> it's like yes, you, I could always be your son. No, I, I know I look 40, but still only 35. Thank you very much. Still not got it? Still not remembered? Nope, still can't remember. So what we'll do, Ryan, is we'll give you the opportunity at the end of the show to revisit this if you need to remember what it was that was so vital to tell us. something very important. So you can have an opportunity to tell us your story at the end of the show if you, if you remember it. If you don't, you can. Um, if you do, do don't remember it now, but you remember it later. You can never tell us what it was. <laughs> You're not allowed to ever tell us what that was because you forgot... Fair enough. How are you this week, Ryan? I'm fine, thank you. Just feel a bit forgetful. <laughs> it's a sign of age. <laughs> sign of my hair is going great. Your hair is gone. You, you are getting a, a, a lot of hair growing. I, I was styled by a tornado walking into your house um, a... today to do this recording. The wind is ridiculous outside. It even nearly took the door off the car as we came in. What was lost down the road? A packet of tissues and Viv's Hello Kitty sticker from the back of the car. Oh. Did Viv go running down the road after it? I had to go running down the road after it. It was a bit pointed towards the sticker. <laughs> Brilliant. So you ran down the road looking for Hello Kitty sticker? It wasn't a sticker. It's kind of one of those suction cup things that go in the back, but the suction cup bit's broken off. Hmm. Oh. Yeah, quite sad. <laughs> what a loss. Yes. Are you going to buy a new one? I may do. Have you remembered what It was one in a million, as it quite clearly stated on the thing. Did it? <laughs> have you remembered yet, Ryan? Or we've we got to move on? No, we're moving on. <laughs> I have made, have weird news. So, I do actually have some weird news. This was my favourite news story of the week. We're only having this one, but I posted this in the group chat, I think, which was from the register, which is hipster wines at Tech Magazine for using his pick to imply that all hipsters look the same, discovers the pick is of an entirely different hipster to himself. <laughs> He posted. Well, okay, let me process it. So he he posted a he posted a picture of himself, but it wasn't himself. No. So basically, like there is photo libraries online where people upload stock images where you can download a stock image and use reuse it for your article for well, a certain. There's a good there's a good Twitter called I think it's Dark Stock Images. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There are many weird stock images that you can see, um, but. Sorry, the ultimate line is coming on the TV at the minute. The Wrath of Khan is on in the background as we watch this, <laughs> and we are almost at the point where Kirk starts shouting at the screen. What does he shout? Khan. Khan? Yes. Watch him shake his fist in anger in a second. Oh, is this, oh, is this a way Khan? Yes, yeah. this is the immortal line. Right, okay. Carry on with the hipster story. Yes, so basically you upload them to this stock image website, mm-hmm. And people will download the picture from the stock image website and use them on their news articles as a cheap way to keep reusing photographs. Okay. So there's an article written by which paper was it? 
Scanning the article. Scanning the article. Scanning the article. Scanning you, really, you know what, right? You are prepared today. <laughs> like the amount of preparation that's gone into today's show. <laughs> well, it doesn't actually say the magazine. I love that. Viv has got it up and ready, waiting for you here. Like I have the yeah. She showed me the exact same article, which I'm trying to find the name of the magazine. Viv is providing more resource to the show currently yes. than you. Are. MIT Technology Review. That's Brilliant. What it is. A title so it's worth waiting about, for. Yeah. So it's talking about hipsters and technology. And our hip, all hipsters now look very similar to each other. So this one guy looked at the article, was enraged, so emailed the magazine to say, why are you using my picture for this article about hipsters yeah. and technology? <laughs> I am not a hipster, bloody, 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 blah, take my image off this article. Even though he uploaded to a stock photo website himself. And they checked and they researched it and the, art, the picture is for a completely different person. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of, Proves the article in an empirical yeah. kind of review. <laughs> it's kind of like a peer-reviewed article is actually that quite That's a little bit similar to the the joke I prayed on on my friend Sam, where um, my partner Laura found a picture of um, Amy Tapper from Gogglebox and her new boyfriend. I don't know why Laura was looking at that. That's really weird. Um, but she found a picture of her boyfriend and he looked a lot like my friend Sam. So I sent him a message in a group chat and it said, who's this girl that you've pulled? And he was like, I don't think that's me. And I was like, it's definitely you. And I spent a good hour or so convincing him it was me, him that I'd found on his Facebook page to the point where he actually believed it afterwards. And I took to be out a week afterwards to just tell him that it wasn't actually him, that he was the picture. He believed that he had, that was him in the picture. Wow. Anyway, that was my weird news of the week. Guy's got a picture on his bedroom wall. It's a blue furry hedgehog with the eyes that bulge out of its head. Guy likes Sonic the Hedgehog. Alright, so I posted this on the Twitter a few weeks back. Uh, apparently the new movie Sonic has been released to much disgust mm-hmm. across the Twitter sphere. In, in the immortal words of uh, 90s cartoon Sonic, that's no good. Yes. <laughs> So they've turned what is essentially a blue hedgehog in a pair of sneakers with ankle length shoes, mm-hmm. socks, and gloves on into some furry monstrosity, which, yeah. It's some kind of weird were hedgehog creature. Yeah. Even the werehog looked better. Which isn't the werehog from Sonic and Leech, no. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 one of the weirder looking cartoon creations. Considering we've got the Pokemon Detective Pikachu movie, yeah. which I thought was going to be the pinnacle of the Uncanny Valley, mm-hmm. this has seemed to have gone much further into Well, it doesn't, weirdness. Even, it doesn't even really look like Sonic anymore, to the point where like the limbs are kind of weirdly proportioned, and he doesn't have the mono eye that he's sort of yes. famous for, so it just looks... Odd. He looks like a basketball player now. <laughs> he seems to be like 12 feet tall. I've seen a few people online comparing to like generic serial mascots. And that's quite, that is, it's, it's a perfect description of what he looks like now. He, he looks like a Sonic devised by committee. Yes. It's, it's basically they've taken the heart and soul out of the actual character and 
packaged them into something that can be sold as blue fluffy figurines mm. in Forbidden Planet stores across the country. And I just wonder if after the, the kind of response to this that they put it online, they're not busy beavering away on <laughs> fixing Dr. Robotnik. In the, in the like, oh, if that's the response we got to this, we've got to, we've got to change the rest of the designs. I'm, cu- I'm curious as to what Jim Carrey as Robotnik is going to look like. Just because it's such a weird idea. Yeah, I think there's been like hundreds and hundreds of people online have done their own fan-interpreted versions, mm-hmm. each of which looks considerably better mm-hmm. than this version of Sonic. My favourite interpretation of the Sonic movie is a screenshot from Parks and Recreation where you've got Ben Schwartz, who is going to be playing Sonic, doing his Jean Ralphio yelling, but with like the... Yeah, um, but with it is the, the <laughs> yeah, but it, but with like they've drawn like the the blue spikes on with like MS Paint and Ron Swanson's <laughs> in the front and they've made him look like Foot Robotnik. And that's the best picture I've seen to sort of indicate the two. <laughs> I, I could I could live that. I could yeah. stand on I'm, I'm, I'm on board. Yeah, that version of this movie. That's why it's the best one I've seen. I mean, Yuji Naka, who used to work on the Sonic team, he's one of the original creators. Yes, I think one, one of the lead programmers of Sonic the Hedgehog, yeah. I think. Uh, he's tweeted out and this has been translated onto his tweet looking at this Sonic's full body visual it makes me realise the importance of the character's head to body ratio and the roundness of his stomach mm-hmm. couldn't they have created a better design with a better balance than this mm-hmm. I mean like one thing that I've seen endlessly online is fans of like the classic Sonic games there's a few people who get really frustrated because they made the current Sonic have like really long limbs and that was sort of controversial but I think everyone's kind of united together because this one's so much worse <laughs> and it's like nothing will take the, the, the one with the slightly longer legs over whatever the hell this thing is I mean, the one thing I've heard about this is so you had the Nike sponsoring part of the movie oh, okay. it's wearing Nike trainers what annoys me more than anything else is Nike and Sega collaborated mm. back in the late 90s early 2000s to release Sonic the Hedgehog's trainers mm-hmm. as the proper trainers and now he's wearing a generic pair of just yeah. bog standard Nike. So you even got the trainers <laughs> that were made for actual Sonic the Hedgehog, which he's not even wearing. They look like you know when you like get to Top Man or like yeah. Primark, you see like fake cons. I mean, like, yes. I had to buy some fake cons the other day when it was raining. I felt like, but yeah, you know, like a fake version of a shoe, mm. like 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 the ver- like a dad shoe. You know, it's like a, like a full on like. Uh, it's like how- how can we make this character look as generic as humanly mm-hmm. possible? That's what seems to be the driving department on this. I mean, did we we looked at the brand personality on the shots that were looked here and uh, the descriptions. This sounds like a bad dating profile. <laughs> okay. Like, hi, I'm Sonic. I'm on Tinder. I'm irrelevant and, sarca- irrelevant and sarcastic, heroic and adventurous, confident and competitive, chill and likable, mischievous but not malicious, bubbly. Yes, he's not yeah. actually bubbly. <laughs> but it makes no sense that they've redesigned the character in the way they have because yeah. there are there are examples that are kind of fully three dimensional mm-hmm. iterations of the character that are pretty good, and they mm-hmm. could just leave it with 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 that. They they haven't had to Frankenstein it to this yeah. level. Think... But I wonder if we'll get a kind of similar situation to what we did with Battle Angel Alita, that the reaction to it will mean they tweak the design between now and release. I think the most annoying thing to me is hedgehogs have spines on them they're not really that furry and mm. this one looks like it's just been painted with money from um, Monsters Inc's fur well the thing is as well with um, 
giving him fur. Um, like, Smash Brothers has already done that, but it still looks like Sonic. Yeah. And it still looks like the character, and it isn't weird and creepy. Mm-hmm. But they've just added a sort of subtle fur effect. And if an actual game has already done that, yeah. why couldn't they have just done it's that? It's not like they've got plenty of decades' worth of material yeah. to work through. I mean, that's one thing I was saying about the Pokemon movie, that Pikachu is a nice little fluffy mm-hmm. thing. They, they've actually embraced the weirdness of the, some of the actual monsters. Yeah. Licky Tongue actually just looks weird. Mm-hmm. But Licky Tongue? Yes. Yeah. Sorry, Licky Tongue. Yes. The Pokemon, yes, who is in the new Detective Pikachu. Oh, whoever, whoever devised that name is quite clearly a sex pest. <laughs> When do you see it, guy? <laughs> <laughs> but they feel true to the character at least because they've not they've not hidden that they actually do look a little bit on the weird side. Mm-hmm. But there's just so wrong on so many levels. Can I just point out Sonic's hair in the picture? Someone's got a Rod Stewart type hair. <laughs> you show me Licky Tongue, <laughs> Jesus! Wow, Licky Tongue would definitely please the ladies. Do um, yeah, Sonic's hair looks like Rod Stewart? Like, do you Fair. not think? Like, Fair. he's got a Rod Stewart haircut. I mean, and nobody should have a Rod Stewart haircut. Even Rod Stewart should have a Rod Stewart haircut. <laughs> it's, the, it's the, can I speak to the manager? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> it is. You see me carrying the hedgehog. <laughs> My favourite meme that's been going around is, has anybody ever seen that really badly stuffed fox? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's like, this is going to be tails. Yeah. <laughs> I have seen it coloured blue and people saying, oh, no, this is, this is the Sonic as well. But I think the tails one is just better. Yeah. Because... It's tails already. Yeah, <laughs> I just wrong on all many many levels. Makes me wonder what knuckles is going to look like as well. <laughs> Got a disaster on the wings. <laughs> if, imagine if they can do dark Sonic. Okay. Captain Marvel is in the cinemas. This is the last Marvel Cinematic Universe film before Infinity War Part Two. Guy and Keith, you've seen it. I've not had a chance to yet. So spoiler free review between the two of you. I just just gush over it. Go on, go on. You go first, and uh, you know. I'm not going to gush over it. <laughs> I know we have opposing, opposing views. But I went. I was thoroughly entertained. I do have quite a uh, knowledge of Captain Marvel's back history. Going back pretty much to, to her, the creation of the character. And I really enjoyed the fact that it was a, a small human story told on a cosmic scale. It focused very much on uh, Carol and her uh, identity and relationship to other people, but played out on a kind of very cosmic scale. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good introduction to to that character, kind of filled out some of the kind of um, minor kind of points that needed to push it into the wider Marvel Universe, which has been established over the last 10 years. And I thought the casting was really good. Some elements did seem a little bit, unnecessary the inclusion of agent Coulson just seemed a little perfunctory that he was there but didn't really perform any particular role because they couldn't get the anti-agent right about making him look like a plastic sex doll but I I really enjoyed it and I liked the fact that they embraced the whole kind of craziness of some of the comics the fact that they've included a character from the comics although they've renamed that character Goose but they went with the, the the kind of what that character is in the comics and I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fast-paced. I thought it did a lot. It made use of its 90s setting. Did a lot of kind of interesting things. Maybe fumbled the ball occasionally with its empowerment message. At uh, one point, um, and I'll say that Madeline, my partner, kind of was a bit uncertain about one point where they kind of made uh, Monica's character have to decide between being the hero or being the mother, which was kind of like the, both equally important and it could have been that Monica wanted to stay with 
with her daughter. But um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a very solid Marvel movie, a very solid action adventure movie, and positioned everything where it needed to be to go into Endgame because it was light enough and it was fun enough that it wasn't over-egging what's going to come in, in that movie, which is going to be you know, a very dramatic uh, piece. Okay, I see your points. I hear what you're saying. But for me, this movie would have been great about eight years ago. Like, early Marvel. Because it was... It, they, 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 there's just a better standard you would expect from their films. And to me, this was very back-to-basics. And not that particularly interesting. And I think Ant-Man and the Wasp had that similar vibe to it. it was quite, I, whilst I enjoyed that and there were some clever set pieces and that. It was back, very back to basics. And I feel like the, the recent batch of films that they've released. Like Thor Ragnarok, Infinity War, Black Panther. Have been huge, big, epic, enjoyable films. And then to go to these smaller ones now... I just, I felt like Captain Marvel, they should have done it years ago. This felt, not, not a lot happened in it. And we've had the argument off air about the stakes not being that high, but the stakes weren't really that high. Um, I, didn't, I didn't really care about what was going on in terms of what she was having to resolve. I thought Brie Larson was ace. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing her interact with everybody else. I thought Samuel L. Jackson was good for Nick Fury to finally get a backstory a bit more than what he is and... Find have some spend some more time because I feel like he's been kind of neglected recently in some of the films, but it didn't you know with some of the other space Marvel stuff which like the Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor Ragnarok it's been funnier this has this didn't really hit the mark I just felt it was just it felt like the budget wasn't that big for it because they didn't have a lot of faith in it I didn't I just felt like there wasn't much going on I liked it was set in the nineties I like any film that has garbage playing in it you know I'm cool with that but I came out of cinema. I was entertained for two hours, but I wasn't like that was that was incredible. I can't wait to watch it again. It's like oh, I might watch it if it's on TV. I have no desire to really go back to it. It didn't leave me with many questions that some Marvel films do. I didn't feel like excited for what comes next for that character. It was just like oh, so she she's that person, and that thing happened, and she'll be in another film then. It's the same as Doctor Strange, though. I didn't really enjoy that because I'm not that big on origin stories anymore. I feel like the time has passed for them to be doing origin stories. But I think they sidestepped the origin story to a certain extent. That This, char- this character was already established as a hero mm. in her own sense on the Kree homeworld. And I, I agree with you in the sense that it should have happened earlier in, in the Marvel history. It didn't, for whatever reasons. Um, but I like... The fact that Marvel doesn't feel the need to go, right, we wiped out half the population in the next movie. So this movie, we've got to wipe out the rest of the population, plus the population of a universe that we didn't even know existed. I, I don't think that every film in the Marvel Universe has to be the most epic, dynamic, dramatic piece in the world. I like they can go, we've done half the universe is dead. Now let's concentrate on a story of, of two women. Or, um, um, you know... The Wasp and, and um, Ant-Man as well. Just bring it back because that's the, that's the beauty of the Marvel Universe is you can tell all kinds of different stories on all kinds of different scales. Every hero doesn't need to be saving the world every time. You know, there were big stakes here and some of it does make a little bit 
of not doesn't make much sense the fact that Ronan and the accuser and there's 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 world threats that don't aren't referenced in films that happened before that happen in the Marvel timeline after the film. But I like I I really got on board and that it hit me from the very beginning when they open up with that revised version of the Marvel Studios graphic. They, that was they, that, that, was, that, that was, they got me straight away from that and I think the rest of it was very true to that character that that character can be very light very fun uh but with this potential for there to be drama and tragedy and all the rest of it and it was it was that sense of identity that i kind of kind of liked that idea of somebody not remembering who they were but figuring out what it was and the influence that she has on the wider marvel universe and i really liked it i see i think for me this was the first time i went into a marvel film not excited and obviously there's going to be people listening to oh it's because you're a man and you don't like you know you don't love the it's nothing about that it's for me the trailers didn't really sell this film as being that looking that exciting i saw origin story i did think of doctor strange i didn't enjoy doctor strange i couldn't be bothered with origin stories again but i feel like for me as well maybe the marvel users starting to decline a bit in terms of interest like i feel that like infinity war was the, the point where it all came together and was so big. And yes, there's a second part to that that's going to wrap it all up. But I feel like they've hit like, the biggest point they can go with that film. Anything else now, I think, has got a sense of disappointment about it. I feel like, for me, it's maybe... maybe I did enjoy the film, and it was watchable. But for maybe it's a higher level of maybe I'm finding that Marvel films are becoming a bit tiresome now. Like, there's too... Maybe we're having too many of them, and... Maybe the standards have been set too high by what's come out recently that these ones aren't as. In, uh, when you get one, you, when you get one of these ones that are just just good but not great. I mean, let's face it. I mean, you really enjoyed it, but is it is it as high as the original Avengers film? Is it as good as Civil War? Is it as good as Black Panther? Is it as high up as those true classics? You know, these are great superheroes. But I have a different relationship to these characters. Mm as a comics fan because one of my favourite Marvel the Marvel movies to, to date which ends up being the one with the second worst box office record after The Incredible Hulk is Captain America First Avenger that's, a great, that movie. that's a great film that's a great movie but I think your, your enjoyment will depend on how much you can buy into this diversity of characters and that you can I think the idea is that you can dip in when you want to with the Marvel Universe. So if, you, if you're big into Doctor Strange, you can see Doctor Strange. If you're big into Guardians of the Galaxy, go and see Guardians of the Galaxy. And then you'll have these kind of multi-part stories that tie into the Avengers. Works in the same way as the comics. You can buy an X-Men book or a Captain Marvel book or whatever, and somewhere they'll tie in together and that'll be a big epic adventure. So I think if you're trying to think of Marvel as every film has got to build on its on the previous one, it's always going to get to nothing because there's no way you can keep that level going all the time. Some stories are going to have to pair it right back. Some stories are going to have to kind of tell smaller things. And Spider-Man Homecoming, in a way, was a very small-scale story. Peter was established, but that was a very small story. It didn't have a global significance mm. to what was going on. And I, and I kind of like it when Marvel do that, kind of like, let's just pu pull back and focus on one character. And and they, they, they can do that really well. I mean... In no way, shape, or form, it was a bad film. You know, I, I came out of the cinema, I, I, I had a good time watching it. But when I thought about it more, it was kind of like, well, I'm not in any rush to really rewatch that. It hasn't sort of taken me like certain films have 
in the past. It's a shame that it came after Wonder Woman because people have kind of kind of sidelined it to say, oh, that's Marvel trying to catch up with what DC was doing. But at least Captain Marvel didn't fall apart in its third act in the way that Woman, mm. Wonder Woman did, and just, which just became a, a kind of 3D beat-em-up kind of computer game. And that's, that's, for me, where Marvel still keeps its kind of credibility that it can just rein it in a little bit and not have to go, right, we now have to end with the most epic battle of all time with every character in the world involved. Um, so I kind of thought, for the scale of what they were trying to do and leading into in, uh, Infinity War Part 2, Endgame, it did what it needed to do. It's established that character. It's made us love her. And she can do what she needs to do now. Yeah, because Infinity War is going to be a three-hour film that's going to result in just a punching Thanos in the face and be like, done with it now. So I'm here now. I'll just swap this guy in the face for you. And uh, there we go, problem sorted. All problem, all off I'll go then, back to space. Yes, that's uh, that's that's how it's going to end. Is it a, is it a situation where we, as you mentioned, we're used to these big bombastic movies now from Marvel and telling us hair back storyline isn't going to sit with everybody who's had pretty much visual chaos thrown at their eyes for the last few years, and this is kind of pulling it back a little bit. I don't, I don't think it's that. Just for me, it was just a, a, a weak entry for Marvel. It's a shame. I really like. The Captain Marvel character, I like. I like Brie Larson. I like Carol Danvers. I just don't think this was the strongest of stories to get me really on board. Like, I'm, I'm totally on board for seeing what she does next as a character, but and you know, I just wasn't that into the plot. It was just a bit, bit, bit meh for me. I think that's that. I think we can end it there. I think it's horses for horses. I liked it. I liked it a lot. It's been. 20 years since the Wachowskis had their groundbreaking Matrix movie uh, starring one of Keith's all-time favourite actors yes Keith Francis Keanu Mr Reeves yeah thank you but you can go on that Keith (laughs) (laughs) Joe Pantoliano Joe Pantoliano yeah that's it so it's 20 years do you think it's worth a revisit because I think it's one of those films where the trilogy never lived up to the original movie. It was such a groundbreaking film at the time and everybody was expecting something as equally awesome for the next two films and it kind of just petered out. Mm-hmm. Like I barely remember the other two films. I remember the first one really well and I have recently sort of revisited it but for the most part I don't remember anything about the sequels. Which is never a good sign, really. I do, but I try not to remember. Yeah. <laughs> In the Animatrix, I think, is actually the true sequel to The Matrix. I really love The Animatrix. The Animatrix is a fine, fine mm-hmm. piece of thing, and that should be released on wide release at the cinema, I think, mm-hmm. at the time, rather than The Matrix Reloaded or The Matrix Revolutions. I feel that yeah. was more fitting accompaniment to the original movie. In, in much the same way as the Gotham Knights anime did yes. for, for Batman, yeah. Yeah, because like what I remember from the Animatrix was like the two-part kind of origin story of of how the world became yeah. that way, and I thought that was just such a really, really powerful pair of shorts together. It's about the same guys who made the Aeon Flux stuff at the same yeah. time, which is when MTV were hit now. No, I think, I think Aeon Flux. The guy behind that, he did one of them, but I don't think it was that one specifically. I think I think the one where the Aeon Flux guy was the one with the athlete. Yes, sorry. Yeah, because it's got a very similar style to Aeon Flux, so I think it was him. I think the Matrix had just been the one film 
mm-hmm. it would have still been remembered as one of the great science fiction movies of the the last 30 40 years um because that that first movie although it kind of riffs off a lot of stuff that was happening in cinema elsewhere in the world mm-hmm. uh to have that presented in a in a hollywood style was 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 really good and you know it kind of it was released in the same year as uh, Phantom Menace, but it was the film that you kind of went and went. That was great. It really did do something interesting, exciting, and new. Um, the the cinema kind of needed at that point. But it was like this is an exciting sci-fi story that I really wanted to kind of see, and the success of it meant that the sequels just, whilst there were yeah. interesting ideas in both of the both of the sequels it never came together in the way that that first film did as a kind of piece that just would have been I think the big thing about it was it was a surprise at the time Keanu Reeves wasn't in as many of his punch, punching movies at the time it was kind of like punching movies that yeah. a new genre for like punching no, I'm movies saying like, it's not like it wasn't the high point of his career at this point. We'd mm-hmm. had stuff like Bill and Ted, and then it had quietened down considerably. And you had the Wachowskis, who'd only had Bound before this, so I don't think they were even considered to be decent directors at this point. It was just you'd had more movie. There was nothing, mm-hmm. there was nothing about this film which said this is going to be a massive success at the box office. Mm-hmm. It was very quiet at the time, and then mm-hmm. it just... I remember it just exploding everywhere. When yeah. it came out, <laughs> it was kind of... The Matrix became a thing. You had people wearing f- floor-length leather coats and shades everywhere. Everybody wanted Did you do f- that, Ryan? No. Everybody wanted, <laughs> f- everybody wanted to flip down mobile phone because Neo had one in the movie. And you've got like the bullet time stuff that's the bullet time stuff showed which... up in so many things. Yeah, and I think gaming still not got past my Yeah, gaming keeps doing it. It's like it's been 20 years now, bullet time. You can, you yeah. can slide past that now. But I, I don't think there's been many movies in that kind of genre with that much cultural impact for just that one movie. Mm-hmm. It was it was definitely style over substance. I mean, the plot the plot has been done numerous times before and since, and probably better. Mm-hmm. But it was such a slick action movie and said, you've got the first experience of bullet time, mm-hmm. solid casting, you've got Keanu Reeves, you've got Hugo Weaving, you've got Carrie Ann Moss, Lawrence Fishburne, mm-hmm. all brilliant character actors. And it felt... And I think Keanu... Did play Tug? No, I didn't. <laughs> but I think Keanu Reeves at the time, he was like, even though he's the lead actor, it wasn't just his story. He felt like it was a group story. And I think it was very, very well-polished, well-directed, and again, well-animated, and unfortunately, turning him into Jesus in the second yeah, few gonna, films. I was about to say, like maybe that's what the problem with the sequels yes. is, the fact that it wasn't really just about him in the first movie, but it was... In the sequels, yeah. he was the focus. Everything revolved around him. Well, the whole point of the plot of the film is what if his he is the one, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like it's rejected time and time yeah. again that he isn't going to be the one. He's not going to be the savior of humanity. Mm-hmm. And where do you go from that in the second yeah. film? It's kind of like this guy is ult- ultimately powerful now. He's mm-hmm. a god when he's inside the Matrix. What do you do next? Mm-hmm. But the Matrix, in effect, follows the same cinematic tropes as things like Star Wars. Because Neo is is the is the mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker analog, yeah, and, so and Morpheus the, is the Ben Kenobi analog. It's the hero journey the, thing, yeah. 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 And it's, so I think it kind of overreached that 
mm-hmm. by kind of it did kind of push try to push towards the questioning of it and the oracle kind it of feels like things. you have the full star wars trilogy yeah. in that one film mm-hmm. of he's not he's the hero he's not the hero he's just inexperienced which, and then by the end of the film yeah he's just god now he can control what he wants which is why which is why i think the animatrix works so much better because obviously like you said how do you take it beyond that point well, the Animatrix told different stories mm. yes. in that world. But, and the, the other reason the Animatrix works really well is because basically the Matrix is a manga anime film mm-hmm. done in the Western style, yeah. Yeah, which is kind of the first time that that had really, really worked on film in the West. Yeah. Because it is, it is, it is, it is so close yeah. to things like Akira mm-hmm. and, and Ghost in the Shell and other kind of yeah, I mean, classic the, manga films. The Wachowskis are, you know, they've gone on record so many times about their love of anime and yeah. Hong yeah. Kong cinema and all that you can see it in the Matrix I think the ads mentioned as well the most important thing about the Animatrix is it filled all the plot holes yeah. that film mm-hmm. and that's that was one of the things as I said as a, the first one's very much style over substance and it left a lot of gaps in the plot it's just these yeah. are the way things are this is why humans are batteries mm-hmm. whereas the Animatrix goes back and said it explains the revolution yeah. explains everything else you do get other stories you get mm-hmm. explanations of why things are a little bit weird I mean, the only one that was kind of the weaker one in the Animatrix was the one that was supposed to lead into yeah. the sequel, um, which, funnily enough, was done by the same studio who did the Final Fantasy movie, which also was terrible. We don't know. <laughs> so, Spirits Within? The spirits Within, yeah. yeah. Didn't we... There was the fact that the Path of Neo game mm, filled yeah. in backstory as yeah. well between the, the films as well. So it didn't kind of help that I they think, were kind of pushing out into I think, yeah. other methods of... Kind of trying to fit in all of the story yeah. that they. I think the Path of Neo came after the. It was Enter the Matrix. Enter uh, the Matrix. Enter the Matrix. The Matrix Online, which lasted a grand total of a couple of months, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly, which was when you could go and create your own. Yeah, it's like it was then like trying to do an MMO of it, which yeah. made sense, but yeah, it just didn't go anywhere. No, and then it was Path of Neo was the final game. Yeah. Where basically it's just recounting the films in full. Yes. Yeah. But then they changed the ending. So that, like, instead of the confrontation against Agent Smith from the third movie, they, like, turned him into, like, a giant mech or something. <laughs> and there's, like, a whole scene before it where the Wachowskis actually appear on screen to say, like, this well, is why we changed it. Well, you see, in a video game, the fight that was in the movie isn't very interesting as a final boss, so here's Agent Smith as a giant mech. <laughs> well, I, as I said, I don't think there's many films that people would remember from that era that still have such a cultural impact to this day well the other big thing <laughs> about the Matrix statement. yeah which is is it sold the DVD format yes because it was everybody wanting to get hold of the Matrix on DVD that pushed that format mm. forwards I think yeah. because it was it was the, the biggest selling disc at the time yeah, I remember the special features on the menu it was the first time that it had like really strongly animated menus and all yeah. little hidden features and all stuff like that but I think it still stands up to this day. Mm-hmm. The Matrix, the only Matrix, yes. This other sequels, forget they exist. I think, mm-hmm. leave it as it is. Yeah, the first, the first film is, is a phenomenal piece of work mm-hmm. without a shadow of a doubt. It's a great movie. I mean, the lobby scene has been parodied so yeah. many times, and it's still one of the greatest action sequences. I think mm-hmm. that's been committed to film. And I think that's where you can really see like the influence from Hong Kong cinema, just yeah. the way it's you know the way they're moving around mm-hmm. and the the. The way the cameras are positioned, just for each and every, so every everything stands out in that scene, and it becomes more powerful. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Guy, would you rewatch it nowadays? Oh, I haven't seen the second and third one because I couldn't be bothered. Uh, do you know what? Now I'm thinking back about it. Um, maybe, but it was quite well, almost quite boring, wasn't it? Really? Like a lot of the good stuff didn't happen until like, the last forty minutes. What was it? Just faffing around some like insect space thing in a womb or something for a while with some, you know, and like are plugging some plugs into themselves and like having some ecstasy and stuff and uh, you know it's just like there's a lot of faff to get to that cool stuff so I feel it's a bit more I feel it's like a load of mumbo jumbo tech baffle and then some cool scenes but Carly do you know Kung Fu? Is that a quote from it? Like, I don't even remember that like, it's like I feel like you know, it was alright it was a product of its time though isn't it? you know it's like I mean it is very 90s I'll yeah. give you that yeah but it's also, it's also interesting in the questions that it's kind of, it's trying to be metaphysical and philosophical in ways of trying to kind of cinematically explore what is what it is to be a human what is existence what is yes. who, what makes you who you are i think at the time as well with the turn of the new millennium te- the surge of technology this was the first point where internet was starting to develop into big strides and the technology was starting to come through. I think it fits quite nicely with that, which is, is this one of our possible futures as a society? If we keep giving up control of mm. day-to-day life to technology, is that going to become a case where technology will someday resist and go against this? One thing that sort of, that sort of adds another layer to it, if you go back and watch it now, so I've heard, I've seen some discussion online from trans people, which of course the Wachowskis themselves. Yeah. Are trans, um, some people a lot of trans people look at it as an analogy for being trans, trans, because mm-hmm. it's got like you know the fact that they have a different identity in the matrix and it's who they really are versus against who society says they are. The fact that you've got Agent Smith who kind of pronounces Neo's real name so specifically, yeah, and a lot of trans people have said that they've encountered you know bigoted people who are insistent on calling them by their old name. Mm-hmm. And this kind of thing, and a lot of trans people really kind of resonate with the film for that. Yeah, and it's definitely interesting going back and seeing it from that perspective. Yeah, and I know there was a character. I think they were going to originally do. I think it was like they were male in the real world and female mm. in the Matrix, mm. yeah. but they didn't go ahead with it in the end. But it, I think it was conceived somewhere along the way. Yeah, and I think it 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 was it it was a film that was looking to the future at the time. Mm-hmm. Whereas Star Wars, I felt, was looking to the past. It was kind of mm. recreate the original the original trilogy mm-hmm. for a modern audience, whereas The Matrix was kind of, what do people want now? What do people want to see on the screen? Mm-hmm. Guy, you've sent a considerable sum of money on something, haven't you? Yeah, I've been invested in a project... It's a pyramid scheme. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I need to start selling this product. Fair aid products. Um, so, when Keith came round here last time to my house, I invested in a, in a dungeon to keep him. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I need to tell you guys. No, um, he, he was admiring my Blu-ray collection. And then I looked back at it and I was like, hang on a minute, my Blu-ray correction is distinctly average. Like, I don't think it's that particularly great, in my personal opinion. So, I'd, I'd had to sell a few films a year or so ago when I moved out. Yeah, I needed to get some dollar dollar in to, to pay for household stuff. Anyway, I thought about it and I thought I could reinvigorate my Blu-ray collection 
in a week by just selling a load of faff that I didn't want anymore in my house, including Doctor Who boxes, Keith. Okay. Didn't offer them to me, I see. <laughs> you wouldn't have wanted them for the prices I was asking. So <laughs> I, um, I moved on a load of t- stuff and reinvigorated my Blu-ray collection with 50 titles for about £400 with cult classic cinema. And I feel that this is a project that anybody could do by moving on any old crap in their house. So basically you flogged your entire Blu- most of your Blu-ray collection to reinvest it into another Blu-ray collection. No, not most. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. What intrigues me most is what he's bought with this £400. I mean, I've got a list, so like... We're not going through all 50. We can go through the 50. I'm going to dissect it so Keith can dissect some of these. Group group them into categories for us. I can't do that, right, because I put them into the order that they were due to arrive in the post. And my postman must have hated me this week as well, because literally I was coming home to like 10 packages through the door. It's only 50 50 discs, so it's kind of like, you know, okay. But but the thing is, I feel like if you went through your stuff that you had in your house, I reckon that you could just turn around a whole collection on something and make it more desirable very easily. Desirable to who? You. But that's but it's desirable. The, the thing, the reason I've got them in my house in the first place is because they are desirable to me. And regardless of whether it's Roughnecks, the uh, Starship Troopers children's cartoon show <laughs> from the nineties, I, I that there's stuff I dig about that. That's why I've got bizarre Korean movies and and Godzilla collections and stuff. But this is why I throw I throw it out to Liam Ryan though. It's like well, Ryan, you don't really collect anything apart from Funko. I've got some very, very, very carefully selected ones. You do. But with, Lee, with games, would yeah. you define your collection? Would you sell what is average to define a collection? Like, this is definitively like a cool collection of stuff. I kind of have already done that quite a few times. Like, There's plenty of times where I'll replay a game and just be like, why do I like this game? And just get rid of it. Mm. Um, and like, I've got quite a lot of older games as well, so those tend to go pretty well. I just feel like it's like, if you really looked at the stuff you have, you could actually improve your collections of stuff by just moving stuff on. I think it's the thing where your tastes are going to change over time, isn't it? And the the stuff that you were buying, say, 10, 15 years ago, you might no longer have an interest in that because culturally or tastefully, you've moved on from that. So probably that's what I'd say is that's when it's worth looking at reinvesting. I mean, I'm going to give out some of the tarts here. And, like, you know, that's where the best film show in, in, in Birmingham and the West Midlands. Let's see, let's see if you can beat what I did recently. I, I recently got rid of a bunch of Planet of the Apes films to reinvest into the 50th anniversary Planet of the Apes box set <laughs> so I could get the four that I was missing. I'm looking for a very iconoclastic collection here. Okay. Um, well, if I don't provide that, Ryan, don't troll me. You could, you could me. whip through this 50 very quickly and we can say okay. whether they were good or bad. Solaris original. Good. Okay. Harold and Maud. Yeah. Okay. If. Mac- okay, that's it, yeah. Day for Night, French New Wave. Mm. Metropolitan, 90s indie Very cinema. Good. Friends of Eddie Coyle, somebody's crime. Good soundtrack. Treat of Life, Malik. I, I bought it for a pound from a charity shop. Oh, yeah, I didn't pay that for much for that. Serpco. Okay. Original. All the President's Men. Yeah, classic. Network. Classic. Mm-hmm. Last Picture Show. Classic. The Conversation. Uh, yeah, okay. Tenebre, classic horror. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you like that kind of film, yeah. Big Trouble, Little China. 
Yeah, very much good. Classic, yes. Barbarella. Good. Classic. Dog Day Afternoon. Good. Yeah, good. Lemapri. Don't know that one. Bridget Bardot. Okay. Belle de Jour. Okay, that's good. good. Breathless. Good. Or a boot. Is it boot de souffle? Something like You're that. You're very yeah. close. As long yeah. as it's not the Richard Gere one, you're okay. <laughs> Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> these, are, these are the anchor, uh, the Arrow releases. Yeah, 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 good, yeah. Good, good. Midnight Cowboy. Good, classic. I'm walking here, I'm walking here. Paris, Texas. Classic. Medium Cool, that's a bit of a, an underground one with Robert Forster okay. in. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Deep End, British 70s. <laughs> from, from the other okay. collection it's <laughs> not, it's I can already either. see where you're going to struggle with some of these because a lot of good movies aren't available st- at the moment and stuff because mm. I mean you kind of put Paris Texas in there but where is your wings of desire if you okay. haven't picked that up yet so okay. kind of like I mean some of these might get traded for crap though so. yeah um, Lie on Earth okay the last movie which is a lost Dennis Hopper film no, I'm intrigued by this. This one sounds right up my, my alley. This sounds pretentious as hell. So. Okay. Um, Easy Rider, because I figured I couldn't have that without okay. an Easy Rider. Uh, Mystery Trains is a Jim... Is it Jim Jarmusch? Jim Jarmusch. Yeah, so I feel like... Yeah, Mystery Trains great. Waterworld Special or Collector's Edition, free Blu-ray. Not as bad as the reviews made out to be. I've never seen it. I think it's a film that's worth a revisit. I yeah. feel like I might go straight in on the, the extended cut, though, which apparently is better. Mm, okay. Faith, James Kahn film from the 80s. That's all right. Gosford Park. No. Mm. Robert Altman, though. Yeah, Altman. thumbs down for me on that one, I'm afraid. Battle Royale. Classic. 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 Mm, really so. recommended. Okay. Uh, eight and a Sequel's half. not too bad, actually. Fellini, okay. Um, taxi Driver. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Ultimate classic. Yeah. Uh, minus its slightly characters. Ignore the Mickey Rooney bits. Scarface? No, I've never seen Scarface. See, I am a big not fan of really? Scarface. No. Well, that's that's the thing on Cribs when MTV is doing Cribs. Oh, yeah. Every, every rapper who has like, a poster of I Scarface. Ha- I, have a, I have a thing because I don't like Scarface and I don't like Goodfellas. Never seen either. Yeah. Goodfellas is a great film, personally. Dressed to Kill, De Palma. Okay. Mm-hmm. Playtime, this is a French avant garde film. Mm. Again, is that the second uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't, uh, don't, uh, don't know that one. Uh, uh, Unbelievable Truth, How Hartley, in these 80s. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen that. Umbrellas of Sherberg. Yeah, that's a great movie. Exotica. That's a film about a Santa strip club. But Again, it's a second collection. <laughs> uh, Stop making sense. Okay, that's that's, that's that's um, an interesting choice there. Constant Jules Etjen. That's a good movie. Weekend. Goddard at Burners. <laughs> Goddard Pig Slaughter. Um, not one of my favourites. Le Mans. The Queen. Um, I haven't seen it in a long time. I can imagine it's dated quite considerably. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Okay. Classic. Foxy Brown. Foxy Brown's good. Coffee. Rocky Horror Picture Show because it's classic. Two Door Backtop. Hmm. Okay. So, I managed to get that pile of films for 400 quid. I think you probably paid over the odds on some. Yeah, for 400 quid, I think you could have got a lot more for, than but for that. But for selling... 
I think it was three records and a few a few Blu-rays and a couple of games. Yeah, I imagine you raised half that money from your Doctor Who box sets because they don't <laughs> for big money on the internet. You can, you can reinvent a whole collection for yeah. a, a small sum of money. Yeah, I think I think you, we could have curated you a, a, a better list of things. I think there's probably still a few gaps in your collection that you need to fill. <laughs> what am I missing? Oh. Roma, fantastic piece, piece <laughs> of cinema. I think tweet us in, give us suggestions for guys' movie collection. I mean, like I'll have to use my own money now, not money. I'll say. Yeah. I've got a massive eBay bill now, which is a yeah. killer. But <laughs> yeah, I think we should slowly go through and select great films to put in anybody's. Blu-ray and DVD collection. But like, would that be something you would be able to do? Like, would you be able to separate yourself from stuff that you bought, which is average? I mean, let's, I'm not saying the Doctor Who boxes are average, but they're okay. But they're not going to be things I want to keep. Well, the, the the dichotomy I had with those Doctor Who sets was they looked really nice in the packaging, but would I would I rewatch them? Hence, why mm-hmm. I didn't buy them in the first place. Um, but I kind of think, you know. It's hard because a lot of the best stuff just isn't available. Because I'm trying at the moment to kind of um, rebuy Kevin Smith movies on Blu-ray. And I'm shocked at how many of them just aren't available. Because well, there's obviously... The that's because Disney and Miramax and they don't like releasing Potty Mouth movies. Yeah, but mm-hmm. some of them are available. But Dogma's not available in the UK. Uh, the Rats version that we've got is a rubbish version compared to the American one. Uh, yeah, but that's not the best release. The, the the fact that you get terrible releases in our region, yeah. and that's not available still at the moment. That's not available right now. But um, even Clerks Two is not readily available in the UK. Uh, I will I will second you on that because there is an anime Blu-ray which I've been looking for for years, which is called Planeties, which is a fantastic anime. Uh, just go watch it if you do get a chance to. Not been on DVD or Blu-ray in the European region for about fifteen years, and the do. The DVD on its own goes for about 150 quid. Yeah. Because this is what sickens me sometimes about Blu-ray releases. And I, I like to get, like, all the content. So sometimes I'll buy import stuff, which is becoming more and more difficult to, to buy import material now. It used to be that you could go through things like Play USA and get import yeah. stuff. So things... that But, but there's content that's there, but doesn't isn't released everywhere because... You know, there's documentaries. There's I like extras on my Blu-rays and DVDs. And the fact that the UK Mall Rats doesn't have all of the content that's on the UK, the American version, why is that? Why, 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 why do we still it? have region locking in this yeah. day and age? Yeah. That, well, that annoys me more than anything else. Probably to stop me from buying all the Criterion collection. That's mm-hmm. probably why. But this, this is what really frustrates me in this day and age is if, if you know ways and means, you can probably find any kind of content that mm. you wish. Yeah. Why is physical media still so restricted? Even Netflix and stuff like that. Why is it still so restricted to regions mm-hmm. and licensing issues? I know with like Netflix, it is the studios that are making that decision because yeah. Netflix have gone on record to say that they want to release everything everywhere. Yeah, yeah. But which the, you know is the ideal. It's, it's kind of like no, we don't want your money. Yeah. This is how it feels when yeah. region locking. It's up. like the ridiculousness of the the Star Trek Discovery. Every week they put mm-hmm. out like a here's what's coming. Yet the CBS All Access version can't be seen outside of the US, and the Netflix stuff can't be seen in the US. Yeah. It's like, even, well, what that? Even why? On Twitter, even the Twitter traders you cannot watch yeah. in the UK for the CBS All Access stuff. So I think there was a big thing when 
the first Discovery trailer dropped because CBS put it on theirs about mm-hmm. an hour and a half before the mm-hmm. Netflix one dropped, mm-hmm. and everybody was trying to share the CBS one, but they couldn't see it because everybody's because it was yeah. re- region locked. I'm surprised that in that list of stuff that Guy hadn't read out that he'd bought the uh, Police Academy uh, <laughs> set. Box the, set. Yeah, and, and uh, the Austin Powers collection. Uh, so missing out on a few bit classics there. But this is the thing, you bought yourself a cafetiere and now you've bought yourself the umbrellas of Sherbourne. <laughs> it's like, you know. No, that's when I get my beret and my big out. I don't know, I just think it's like, I feel like you... you I th- if you're a collector, you can easily refine a collection by some nonsense. Be good for you to kind of say what you think when you've watched them all, because this is one of the dangers. That, watches fifty films. This is one of the dangers that I fall into. Is I'll will we'll buy stuff because I think I this is I need to own this. It's not available anywhere else, and so I can't stream it on Netflix because I've got things like um, Brotherhood of the Wolf, which I've never seen anywhere yes. else, which is kind of a, like, a, a classic movie. film. Mark yeah. But I I have that perfect situation with Metropolis, which I own on DVD, and I've tried to watch it three or four times and never right in the right frame of mind for mm-hmm. it. Because it is not an easy watch. Yeah. It is a classic mm-hmm. cinema piece, but it is not a film where you can just go, oh, I'll put that on for an hour yeah. and a half. It's, you've got to be mm-hmm. in the zone to watch something like that. Yeah, and I think I, that's I, where you're going to struggle with some of these. And I can understand that sort of mentality just because if you look at my game collection, it's ridiculous. Because I just keep buying stuff. And it's my book collection is just as bad. Of like, here is a pile of books that I still need to read. Mm. But every time I walk into Waterstones, I come out with three or four more. <laughs> well, I mean, that's something I think I have any incentive behind it. Was like, I want to watch, I want to, I want to see all of these films. So I'm going to go mm. ahead and buy them because it gives me the mm. reason to watch them. And I'm not going to care about the cost or what it involves. I want to, I'm going to sit down and watch all this stuff. So to get rid of stuff I don't want mm-hmm. in order to achieve that goal of seeing these things. Because if I bought it, I'll watch it. Okay, here's your challenge for the rest of this year. I want to know how many of those films you've watched and average scores for them for end of the year. That's a fair deal. Yeah. I haven't all arrived yet. Hmm? I haven't all arrived yet. No, you've still got... got, (laughs) Your titles arrive, you can get started. By by the end of the year. Yeah, not the end of the week. (laughs) (laughs) Alright. I've got a few odds and sods some other occasions to finish watching as well, like Dogtooth and stuff. Right, right. Accept, accept your challenge. Let us know how you get on. Talking of challenges, because no, you mind challenge, still challenging you. Still challenges me. I'm getting old. Wrath of Khan's on TV. My mind's gone. <laughs> I feel like as well. I just gave most gave out a perfect advertisement. If you want to rob me, <laughs> <laughs> go for the DVD collection. Yeah. First. Guys' addresses. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I feel like now with that credential of film. We could become the premier film show in Birmingham. You know, we're already the premier film show. I think we go to the premier film show in the Midlands. We don't. We don't get trolled on Twitter anyway, so that's a good thing. We're open to films of all kinds, including costumes. including costumes. Yeah, yeah. So. which is which is why this year I'm going to go see the Sonic movie and tell everyone how terrible Why it's rubbish, Keith? You can start. Why it's rubbish for me this week? It is. Can you guess? Buses. No. That's that's planes, that's, trains, automobiles. automobiles. No. Any any form of transportation. Um, no, mine is uh, wired speaker systems. Because 
I've got too many wires around my house. You're not wired for sound, are you? No, I'm thinking we're at a point in in, in technology where wireless systems should be more readily available and work uh, consistently. Because I've got I've got a um, kind of 5.1 system for surround sound for TV and stuff, which runs off one set of cables, and then I've got my stereo, which is another set of cables, and they're kind of all running around the house. And I know that in modern houses you can have all these things built into the walls, but I'm thinking we need a, a good, robust, a, affordable um, kind of wireless speaker system I mean, of some description. Don't look behind my TV right now. <laughs> yeah, it gets ridiculous. I tried to, because we, we redecorated recently, I had to kind of deal with the, the cable situation. And it is kind of like, you know, we've got so many devices, and obviously things like Amazon Echo and all the rest of it, and Sonos systems exist, but I need kind of something that is a little bit more. You know, some systems now you can plug everything into a box and, and then have Samsung, one cable running to the television and stuff. I know Samsung are really pushing wireless subwoofers now. Yeah. They'll do a sound bar with with the five in. Yeah. And then your point one is a wireless boom box that you ship somewhere else. Yeah. But I think we kind of need to be kind of being a little bit more um, kind of embracing of, of, of cableless kind of in home entertainment systems on that kind of scale. It's okay for the kind of like you know some bits and pieces, but I kind of need that removable removal of cables so that every time I look behind the the, the TV, it doesn't look like it's um, an absolute maze of cables. It takes me three weeks to reconnect if I ever have to disconnect them. You could just get some cable tidies. But then all you're doing is hiding the fact that inside <laughs> that cable tidy is 24 different cables running to a half a dozen different devices. Yeah, there's a bag of them under the sink if you want them. <laughs> Uh, I, I invested in a nice Velcro one that matches the wall colour, which is quite nice. Keith, you have to ask yourself, are you, why have I got cable ties all on the <laughs> You do know that it's quite easy to get out of cable ties. We'll it's test that theory, shall we? Yeah. Keith's been practising with this very situation. <laughs> yeah. YouTube is always a good thing. <laughs> Lee, why is something rubbish to you? Oh, oh, this is always... I always find this really difficult because I tend to not really hold on to a lot of things that annoy me during the week. Um, <laughs> I wish I could live that life. Yeah. I'm the opposite of Guy in that sense. Um, I think for me, like, the annoyance that I've had this week that comes to mind is like trying to send um, a package to the US but needed a box and like no local post offices like to sell boxes. I have to go all the way into the city centre to find a place that sells boxes. I just think that that's something that a post office should sell is a box to send things in. But it's not yeah. like the post office who want to be to want to be helpful to you, Lee. Uh, they just want to get your letter sent and try and upscale you postage <laughs> as much as possible. Like that is their role. Does it need to be signed for? Do you need to send it originally? <laughs> yeah, can I send it second class? Signed for next day no, second class. Does it need a first class seat where somebody yeah. will serve it a glass of prosecco <laughs> halfway <laughs> See, you're saying all this, but the, when I actually did send the package, none of this happened. It was just literally Okay, cool. And it was quite cheap as well. Really? So I, I was under the impression that, that the last box made to send stuff was probably in 2012 um, because everything just seems to be recycled boxes. Whenever I send <laughs> people stuff in the post or they send me stuff, it's a, it seems to be a box that's just been reconstituted from whatever they've had lying mm. around the house. And I do exactly <laughs> the done, same. You just go, what, what we, box we, did the person send me? I'll send that to somebody else. We had an eBay package arrived where somebody had poorly scrubbed out their name. It was, it was really <laughs> badly scrubbed out. It was actually like, oh, you can actually read their name and full address. Yeah, I, th- I think the same, tw- the same kind of like two million boxes have been in circulation in the 
postal system for quite I, a while. I think I have said something where I literally just took a piece of paper over the previous address and then wrote, wrote this, the actual address on it. But this is a top tip for Christmas and giving and presents is our family never write names on gift bags. Mm. So the gift bags just go around <laughs> in a circle. Yeah. So I've seen gift bags that have been going around like our family for at least 10 years now. Oh yeah, you always keep a gift, gift bag, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. still got the original gift tag on it, just no name written on it. <laughs> I think that's a very good way to be It'd be even better if the gift tag was just like a series of crossed out names. <laughs> it's like an award that somebody's had over the years. Yeah. Go on then, guy. I'm not sure whether I've had this one before, but it's, it's come back to annoy me. Um, loud clappers. <laughs> loud clappers. So I went to Crufts. I enjoyed it. Um... I did not enjoy the people who seem to want to grasp so much air between their hands when they clap that it bursts my eardrum. I'm always near a loud clapper, whether it be at a gig, whether it be at an event or some sort. There's always somebody who's got to just slap their hands like a damn seal so much that this just bursts everybody's eardrums. I thought eardrums. Your toilet it would be more loud crappers than loud clappers. <laughs> it was just like, it was just... It's just too much. It's like you don't need to clap that loud. Just a gentle... Yeah, just to... And then the, if everybody's doing that, it should generate enough noise so the person being applauded will feel like they've gotten the merit. Not someone sat there like... <laughs> like that. It's like, what is that? It's like, it sounds like a balloon popping. Like... I'm kind of wondering what gigs you go to that you can differentiate <laughs> the, the, the loud clappers. Yeah. Now, you, because... you, just, you just hear it. Someone just... Just it literally was there, like doing it. Like there's always somebody who just has to be the, the song and dance of clapping. I feel like maybe there's just one person following you around to every event <laughs> to clap in your ears to do it's this. Like the trombone man in Family Guy. Yeah. The thing is as well, like because they because they take in so much air between their hands to get the loud clap, they end up doing more of a slow clap, so it feels like more sarcastic than just a. It's what? a. I genuinely cannot think of any occasion I've been to where I would go, oh, there was a loud clapping. You'll yeah, notice yeah. it now. Like, now I've said it, you'll notice it. Every time that slow, loud clapping is is allowed is when We Will Rock You is being played. Mm-hmm. No, just a, we will, we will rock you. That's fine. That is an acceptable <laughs> that's, that's level. That's the clap from We Will Rock You. That's your original release, We Will Rock You. Like that, like you don't need that much clapping sound. Go ahead, stomp, stomp, clap. Is it? Stomp, stomp, clap. Just, just do a, a good level of sound. But isn't a clap by definition supposed to be loud? Isn't yes. that the reason you're doing it yeah. in but if the first place? If everybody's doing it, that generates the sound. I think there's a difference between clapping and applause. Applause is, whereas yeah. clapping is, go on. Yeah, it's worse. It, I think it depends on like how into whatever you're applauding is. If you're really loving what you're listening to, loud clapping is fine because just if ever, um, especially if everyone's doing it, it's even louder applause. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, what annoyed me more as well was the person behind me who was doing the loud clapping had already annoyed me because they had dropped a plastic spoon behind my back at one point, a plastic ice cream spoon. 
And I felt it go behind my back. And I touched, I, t- I, r- I picked it up to see what it was. And my hand touched the bit where their mouth had been. I turned around, looked at them, and they were like, sorry. And I was like, has that been in your mouth? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, that is disgusting. My I was fuming. whether loud clapping is just a thing guys projecting onto the person that has annoyed him. And so like, you are now, I have, I have targeted you. And now I, my ears are focused in on your individual clapping, which is now louder than anybody else's. It is, it is a just, minor annoyance. I'm going to invent a bunch of other minor annoyances. What happens, turn you into literal Hitler. What happens is when a guy gets angry, like a red mist comes down and it's like the Terminator screen thing. <laughs> Where it will highlight the person, draw a little box around them, and then find annoyances listed. I think we could, could quite easily kind of do a very... Uh, um, kind of like authentic scientific experiment where we get a lineup of people, we measure by decibel their clapping. <laughs> we select one of them to annoy Guy, and then we get Guy to identify how loud he thinks each individual person's clapping is, and then we can scientifically prove that Guy's annoyance has increased the perceived sound of the clap from that person. I'm telling you, you don't need to do that because I'm telling you, there's always one joker who's got to be the loud clapper. There's always someone who's got to be the person who's who's cheering the most. Someone's got someone's got to be that clapper, you know. Just have the rapper comic credits go behind, and the sound was apparently by Glenn Glenn. (laughs) Great name. Also, (laughs) also, if you're doing that much loud clap, you're literally you're slapping your other hand. You are slapping your own hand. Doesn't doesn't the kind of overarching clapping of all the people there? Render the loud clapper unidentified. No, because it's oh, no, because their clap has. They have to be the loudest clapper. They have to know. They have to be the person. Unless who's... you're in a room with five people, I think it's probably hard to differentiate between who's clapping. Because if you get together twenty or thirty people, surely one person cannot overwhelm the nineteen others. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be slapped around the face by a loud clapper. <laughs> literally, literally, like bursting eyeballs. <laughs> person in your remit with, with hands the size of dustbin bins. <laughs> Alright, Ryan, if you can remember what's rubbish to you. I think I've done this one before but it deserves repeating because it hasn't been for a while. People who don't get their wallet or purse out until after they've been told the price of something at a supermarket or shop. Yeah, there's something vaguely that annoys me about this, but I'll go, I'll mention it in a minute. You carry on. Perfect example today, we're at the supermarket, we're in the queue, two people in front of us. The other queue along had four people. All four people were served by the time this lady had got her purse out, worked out which card she wanted to pay with, didn't even do contactless, even though it was under 30 quid, didn't do contactless, inserted the card into the machine, (laughs) put her number in, took the card out, back into the small purse, into the big purse... And then started packing your shop in a way. Who has two purses? You have a purse and a handbag, so you put the purse inside. Oh, okay. But then is the point she decided to start packing her shopping. After the woman had already passed all the shopping through, given her the amount to pay. (laughs) It's infuriating. It's like like the people who, when they get to the train barrier, they haven't got their ticket ready to go. It's kind of like, you know what's coming. (laughs) You know you've got to put your ticket through the thing or scan it. When I've had to take the train, my ticket is out as soon as I walk into the station. Yes. It's like you've missed every single social queue. You could have got your purse out. 
when you start just after you finish mm -hmm. putting your shopping onto the conveyor belt, mm -hmm. when you person behind you just finished paying, that's that's another great point that you can bore your item of payment out. My, my when your when your shopping is starting to be scanned again, great point here. Reach in your bag, find it, pull it out, get ready to pay. I'm I'm just kind of thinking it's a good job people don't have checkbooks anymore. Oh, <laughs> oh God, <laughs> why is that even a thing? It's a look of surprise that you have on people's faces when they get told the amount that they have to pay. It's yeah. like, oh, I have to pay now. Yeah. Oh, so I wasn't expecting this transaction. <laughs> money? What, what's money? It's That's not, fair. It, it's one of the most enraging things to me. Mm -hmm. I've worked in like a customer service environment and those were the worst people. Yeah. Because you tell them the price and you just sort of stand in there and there's a queue. And it's annoying to the person serving as well. So. Yes. Mm -hmm. So everybody else in this relationship yeah. is getting annoyed by this one person. It's even worse if they, they try and make a joke of it. Yeah. Or it's even worse when they go, ah, I haven't got enough money to pay for that. What can I put back that gets me <laughs> oh, down below yeah, the value a, that I need? That's it. That's, I mean, that's, that's an unfortunate situation to be in, but at mm. least like, a bit of mental arithmetic in your head before yeah. you go around the shop. Yeah, why don't you sort of think, okay, I know what I'm spending, or just, like, in this day and age with, like, a card, if you've got not got enough cash, surely you've got enough with a card. Yes, yeah, to split it across. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is my worst thing. People who forget that they have to pay. So to recap, Keith? Too many wires behind the TV. Lee? Not enough boxes. Guy? Bloody loud clappers. And for me, people who forget that they have to pay. Thanks for joining us on the Geeky Brimmer Show this week. Keith, where can we find you online? You can find me online at hardluck underscore hotel on Twitters without the underscore everywhere else. Guy, where can we find you online? I'm probably trolling your Twitter account if you, uh, <laughs> if you want to grass on me. Guy underscore Hanford. Lee, where can we find you? You can find me on YouTube at Bob the Pet Ferret and on Twitter at The Cheat Ferret. The one who hasn't spoken. Where can we find you online? I'm on Twitter under Viviao or on Instagram Viviao72. And you can find me trying to remember anything at all. I'm clearly quite lost. He lost his mind. Can't even remember his Twitter handle, probably. Is that the thing that it was Ryan that had forgotten that he got to pay for his shopping? <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like Ryan's a cause for worry after today's show, to be honest. I think that has enraged me so much, it's just emptied my mind. Just pure fury. You can find me at Ryan Parrish on Twitter. You can find us all at Geeky Brummy on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, geekybrummy.com. Go and check out the Geeky Brummy YouTube channel. Some great stuff coming up soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, leave us a review, all that jazz. Just subscribe. I'd be happy if you just subscribe. We won't even ask you to press the bell button or yes. like turn on notifications. Just subscribe. Smash, Smash that notification button. What's the bell button? I mean, I can think of something. So YouTube have done this really bizarre thing where the idea of subscribing doesn't actually notify you of things you're subscribed to. So you have to press the separate button that does that. Pointless. I know. <laughs> pointless as Richard Osman on Pointless. How oh, he is pointless, aren't he? <laughs> He's his pointless friend. <laughs> but for now, goodbye everybody. Thanks Bye. for listening to this premium film show. <laughs> Bye.